0: Gets away from Kante, plays down the line for Suarez. 98 team of the year Suarez, he's a big Pass chance. Ramos.
1: Suarez, what's he going to do? Tries to feed it back, is that going to come to Ronaldo? Just trying to get a foot on that maybe. Pull it now, the man that Bullock loves. Half turn there from Torres, Vieira back to Suarez, on oh, the finesse! And there we have it, the Bullock is in London! He turns around, he celebrates the Bullock! He had a plan and he's performed it.
0: You're listening to the Foot Champions Podcast with Richard and Brandon.
1: What is going on? Welcome back to a brand new podcast. Week 8 now of the Foot Champions Podcast. We're back for another week. Another week of eSports has passed. Another week of Foot Champs and Weekend League has uh, gone by. First of all, before we start this episode, a big thank you for... uh, the response we got actually on that podcast one of our favourite ones to do so far as well Uh, we nearly hit a thousand views on YouTube Um, and as I said before I think we've worked out that we're hitting at least one thousand viewers each week which is fantastic uh, for us especially since we've only been launched from November so a big thank you on that one so if you do want to get involved in the show at any point uh, it's at at footchamps pod over on Twitter so you can use the hashtag as well Um, but back for another week obviously not just me that man that's always next to me Richard Buckley Hello mate, another week, another podcast, how are you doing?
0: Yeah, not too bad Brandon, thank you uh, as Brandon reiterated there, I'm going to say it again, huge thank you for the support on uh, last week's podcast, we enjoyed it just as much as uh, you did consuming it, Um, Kurt, fantastic guest and uh, best of luck to him next week in Barcelona, I'm sure we're going to talk about it but only one week away Brandon.
1: We are indeed, and lots of things happening uh, in the esports scene at the moment. Obviously, as you know, the Australian League is going into esports as well. That was announced a few weeks ago. They've been announcing uh, players recently this week and going into February, of course. Uh, As Richard said, Barcelona's coming up the big foot champions event number one and another big league that has gone into esports which our guest will come into shortly. But also, we have our pundit on who's here every week as well. uh, FIFA team manager uh, at
2: Roma and Fnatic, Colin welcome back for another week i'm excited we're getting to the real meat and potatoes of the uh, fifa competitive season now and uh, can't wait to see who comes out and who truly is the best fifa player in the world
1: indeed indeed and of course poach is going to be there isn't he colin is he, is he can you feel the nerves in him yet
2: or is he, is he you feel he's quite confident ah uh, no we're cool we're cool we're calm um we have boot camp starts in four days we'll be doing a three or four day boot camp before barcelona and uh usually that puts us in a pretty good mindset going into the actual event um so yeah that starts in three days in london at our fanatic bunker and then we'll roll straight into barcelona that sounds really good indeed and of course richard i'm sure you can introduce our guest
1: we're never uh joined just us we've always got a top 100 pro or a fifa pro uh, on every week who have we got this week richard
0: yeah, big, big uh, congratulations and welcome to the, uh, the Foot Champs podcast. Uh, Mike Labelle, I believe I said that correctly, uh, brand new FIFA player for the brand new up and coming EMLS. Welcome
3: to the show. Thanks for having me. No, I'm excited to be here, and it's pretty cool that we're starting to see a little more development within uh, different nationalities, or I shouldn't say nationalities, but different. Uh, nations are starting to build out their leagues you got things happening in the Bundesliga you've got things happening in, in the in, in uh, Holland you'd have things happening in France of course and now in the US
1: uh, very big indeed and obviously New York Red Bulls you're, you're the official player it was only announced in the last week talk to me about that move you know how I know these moves take a long time to come and Colin will come on to that after um, you know how long have you been talking about this move for
3: uh, so the New York Red Bulls and, and I have been speaking a lot for I'd say months uh, leading up to this in terms of what it looks like, what our visions are, what your goals are in terms of being a competitive player, a content creator, and then how does that parallel with the, the, the league and how does that parallel with the organization? Do you guys want to create content? Do you want to base things around FIFA and, and football or soccer in this case? We're talking about the MLS uh, and what does that kind of look like? And uh, obviously, you um, used
1: to be at Hashtag, obviously left there. Was that always the intention to move to American club? Or, or was it just, you know, I'd fancy something fresher at the time?
3: Well, I think with Hashtag United, uh, Spencer wanted to focus on Europe because it, it made the most sense for him in terms of activations. He had a lot more control with deliverables yep. And he could activate the players. Hey, we're going to be playing here. Or hey, I'm going to be doing something at Sky Sports. I'm going to be doing something... With this network, etc. But a lot of those things that people think uh, take a lot of time and they're they, they're really planned out and they're months ahead. That's not how it works at all. They often happen days before or even the day of. Sometimes they just like, hey, we want to be you know be a part of this trend or this bandwagon here, or mm-hmm. we want to do something with gamers. We want to do something with football. And obviously, I would not be able to take part in in some of those activations. Mm-hmm. And of course, I also have always worked on the North American side. Of esports and really promoting not just esports but trying to grow esports where I'm from because th- that's that's what I've wanted to see. I've been a part of the community now for almost ten years in terms of being a pro player uh, or being involved in the competitive scene.
1: And uh, linking back to that as well, I'm sure Colin comes to this as well. Um, First of all, Colin, talk to me about you know you, we said about maybe in a few podcasts before when you want to sign a play. You know, a lot of these clubs now are going to be signing players shortly, especially the EMLS, uh, the A League, and maybe even the Premier League in the future. You know, how long do these moves take to come about?
2: Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the uh, the availability and kind of the expectation when it comes to a certain player. I think I've mentioned in the past. You know, like certain players' deals have taken weeks um, just because of the, uh, maybe because of the situation or because of certain deadlines or maybe a certain event that you want them to be under your banner for, but uh, most kind of uh, clubs that do it the best, in my opinion, you know, usually take a couple months to do it, to kind of vet out the player, feel out the player, really see if they fit in with kind of the vision um, of your organization and kind of the uh, the values um, match up, uh, kind of like Mike mentioned. Um, so yeah, it, it usually takes a couple months and then you can kind of really figure out like who who that right player is especially if you're only going to have one or two players like a lot of these EMLS uh, clubs are going to have um, they definitely should take their time when choosing these players because these are players that are going to represent them for months if not years in the future so um, you know you need to make sure that you're making the right decision
0: and um, Colin spoke about it uh, just then Mike I want to get your opinion on it you've been competing as you said for 10 years uh, at the highest level in competitive FIFA Going into a tournament like Barcelona, Colin said the Roma guys are going to do a boot camp, what would your preparation be like going into a, a big tournament?
3: Uh, I think it's important to make sure that you're ready for different scenarios, but to also try to replicate how you're playing from home. So however you've been practicing, it's very important to not make last-minute changes, in my opinion, when you go into pro events, because a lot of it's going to come down to comfort and also what you've built into your gameplay instinctively. So if you go changing formations last-minute, that's typically going to go poorly for you. Uh, and and that, that's kind of how I always try to prepare, is to try to really make sure that everything that I'm doing is very crisp with how I've been practicing, how I've been playing, how did I qualify for this event. And then also read the rules. Please read the rules because uh, I know that Barcelona, they didn't really announce a lot until kind of last minute in terms of are there going to be restrictions, are there not going to be restrictions but I've noticed from doing a lot of these different events that people assume oh it's going to be this or it's going to be that and it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes there's a definite camera view and you gotta remember I go back to where people didn't get to play on their own console and their own screen so if there was a set camera view for that tournament you better know how to play on that camera view because at home when you're online Mm -hmm. you could practice however you'd like to practice uh, and, and that's really big for preparation. And then as much land experience as you can get is always going to be beneficial. Uh, I really wish that in the FIFA community we had a lot more in terms of events. I think that's still what's kind of holding us back for eSports is the amount of events and then the definites of events. And what I mean by definite is, I have no idea each year, even ask somebody that's involved in the community, how many events are we really going to have? Are there gonna be 10, are there gonna be 15, are there gonna be three, are there gonna be four? that you could actually attend, that you could actually qualify for. You need a schedule, a calendar of events.
1: And uh, a point to make on that as well. Uh, we can, we've we got an absolute list we can go into here. First of all, uh, Mike, I know we, me and Richard talk about it a lot when we commentate as well. The difference from playing in the comfort of your own home, you know, you're playing your 40 games a weekend to go into that LAN event, you know, with obviously in a in an arena like the one that's gonna be in Barcelona. You know, the difference there. Talk to me about that. Obviously you've played in a few land events yourself. Could how quickly did it take for you to adapt to the different conditions to a at a land event than being at home?
3: So for me, and I can only speak uh, from my opinion and my perspective and what works for me as an advantage, I really liked the old school vibe of gaming where you stood next to your opponent. You sat right next to your opponent and you guys could make some noise. You could talk. You could interact. The crowd was often behind you and they were also sometimes nice, sometimes not so nice. But I kind of liked that energy and that feel, that involvement. It felt like a true spectator sport. And right now, we've made it a much more professional, which can be looked at kind of with a double-edged sword. Where yes, it, everything is is going to be very clean. People are not going to have uh, any of, I guess, the issues of maybe some negative interaction. You're not going to have crazy crowds, you know, blowing up everything that's happening. But I think it's great from a viewer's perspective, a consumer's perspective, to have that, and then to have some rivalries, some some built up back and forth. Right now, especially considering that everyone's going to be representing an organization at some point and colin probably agrees with me here so then from that point it's what do you do beyond just representing that organization and then also you know are you are you concerned about maybe saying something wrong because you do represent them so you, you never want to point your or, or, or present your organization that's you know helping you with this dream in progression you don't want to represent them in the incorrect manner so when they have you on a mic everybody's always very politically correct from my opinion uh, from, from watching interviews and doing everything along those lines where I would have loved to see the FIFA community kind of transition or, or follow the trend of the fighting game community. Have you ever watched a Cap Gun <laughs> versus yep. or Marvel vs. Capgon or, or a, uh, Street Fighter. Uh, a Street Fighter Killer yeah. Instinct, Mortal Kombat, you name it that community I, sometimes I don't care about the game or the results I just can't wait to see how these guys go back and forth with each other or how the crowd will clearly favor somebody and it's just really fun to watch as a viewer, in, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I think
2: it, you're, you're totally right there when it comes to kind of like the sanitization almost of, of competitive FIFA in a lot of ways because I definitely think there's a reason that Kurt can say things that, say, Poacher couldn't, right? Um, and that's not because maybe they wouldn't say the same things. It's just because because of the organizations. It's definitely you, you kind of have to tone it down in a, lot of, in a lot of ways because at the end of the day, like, uh, if... If one of our players makes a mistake, it goes on the front page of AS Roma eSports player says this or does this or, you know, is involved in this kind of confrontation or something. Whereas if another player does it, it's not really newsworthy for the for the general media to really pick up on.
3: No, I completely I completely understand uh, the, the kind of the dilemma there where it's like. You know, you want to make very non-traditional and entertaining content, right, and entertaining media. Like, Kurt is one of the most interesting professional players to follow. But you never know what he's going to do, and that's kind of what makes him interesting. Other than you know, you can almost guarantee that he's going to brag on himself exactly you know, almost that you can almost guarantee that he's going to say something positive reassuring like how good he is as the best player with his little accent and everything but kurt's a fun guy man i i, I like him a lot and i think he's good for the community he's going to fill uh, a definite role there like anytime you they, they they take a chance and interview kurt you never know what he's going to say but you can almost guarantee ea's not going to like it
0: yeah <laughs> um you spoke about the the audience in other games uh playing a factor I know me and Brandon can comment on this Uh, early on last year we went to the Ziggoe battle in Amsterdam it was actually at the Amsterdam arena and that was one of the only events where we've actually seen a crowd play such a big part because in Amsterdam Ajax Stanley made it to the final the crowd loved him he was getting cheered they were encouraging him on hashtag Tassu was in the final with him got booed out of the building and it it (laughs) was just a very it it, was a dilemma that you wouldn't expect to see um, a hashtag player getting booed so heavily and in the end, Danny beat him over the course of the two legs so maybe the crowd does play a part have you had anything like that in the past Mike where someone Absol- said something?
3: Absolutely, but see I like not that I want to have the crowd against me but I I like the crowd being involved that's how sports are to me when I consume sports I, part of that experience is the atmosphere and that's something that I'd love to have welcomed back into competitive gaming right now FIFA at least has gotten so professional in terms of the production and just how they have mm-hmm. all the rules, everything set up, that you lost that feel of organic emotion that I was so accustomed to seeing for probably my first seven or eight years in the competitive scene where, I, I mean, things happened that I sh- I'm, I'm almost 100% sure would not fly. Like if you've ever seen Madden tournaments, because I competed a little bit of Madden uh, back in the day in NHL, some of the things they would say to each other, I was like, we're going to have to step outside after this, like pause the game because it was just so disrespectful. Like I was at a Madden event where these two guys were playing and one of the guys had his girlfriend next to him, right? The other guy was talking negative about his girlfriend to all of them. Like this was involved in the game. So it was like calling his girlfriend ugly while they're playing a game of Madden. And I'm not saying that that's what we want to build towards, probably not, but I'm just saying like the level of disrespect that was accepted in that community was uh, unbelievable. When I played a couple turns, I was like, this is nuts. That they are like, you know, like where are the lines? Right, But I remember in FIFA, like I played in 2008, I won the FIFA Interactive World Cup, the North American qualifier. I would say that as many people that were there were actually Mexican, uh, as is equaled out to Americans. So we have so many Mexican-Americans. So in in the final or the semifinals, I played against Cero who I, I think he got third in a FIFA Interactive World Cup, maybe twice at the world final. So very well known if you – I know your history of that tournament, and I, I beat him in the semifinals, but I remember the whole crowd was Mexico, 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 you know, they were all definitely in his corner, and that's fine, but I just think it's a, it's an interesting dynamic that I, I would love to see a little more, like, embraced going forward, or like, when people play next to each other, then it makes it where maybe you could beat some of the likes of some of these guys that are the best nerd, maybe they're the best at going 40-0, and 0, or they're able to even bring a really great package, package to tournaments, but because it's so quiet and, and not going to be interactive they never feel uncomfortable and i think it would be cool to have you know a little bit of talking back and forth like i when i went to penalty kicks for example we would talk we would interact sometimes during penalty kicks like oh i got that right or even during the game because you could hear each other you're there there's no if and or what about it you you guys are right next to each other it's going to happen And the same with the crowd but that might be something that would be you'd have to open up to a debate i wonder what the people would say but i for me i'd love to see that Come back because I just I just think that's more the future of esports as opposed to the super professional Production sitting yeah the the sitting ten yeah. feet across from each other you know like all you're gonna see me do is maybe raise my hand if you're a, an opponent of mine
2: yeah when it comes to I and I think that's what excites me a little bit about this new season is I feel like it's being slightly geared uh, away from the production side i still think the production is definitely going to be there but when you look at just for example the venue that's been booked out for the barcelona event it's a 17000 person capacity arena and i'm not saying that we're going to fill that arena but if we can get you know four five six seven eight hundred a thousand people there that's going to be an environment that we haven't really seen when it comes to this new age of FIFA, you know, where all of this money's here and you have all these big clubs. I think it'll definitely bring a different vibe uh, completely to this, to, to the, to these events. And then again with Gfinity with the Elite Series, you know, that's a 200, 300 person arena that is going to be jam-packed every single time with, with people yelling and, and supporting their teams. I think we're getting a little bit further away from the production side because if you look at all the other big esports, yeah, they have great production, but they also have massive crowds. And I feel like it, the, even if it is just a couple hundred people, just having that environment and having the players get more accustomed to that kind of stuff and, and get a little bit more excited because it's kind of hard to get hyped when you know it's just you and your manager there. And, you know, you're yep. in a studio, you know, it's much harder to kind of get hyped. Um, and I think they did a, a better job as, as the season went on when it came to regionals and stuff like that, as they started letting more and more people in. When you saw like the, the different European and America's regionals, you know, maybe there's 50 people there, but there's, there's a huge, a massive difference between 50 people and like a thousand people cheering you on. So hopefully we're, we're gearing ourselves a little bit more towards that crowd centered and building those environments.
3: And to put this per, for perspective for you guys, so when I'm playing these, these qualifiers, these tournaments that uh, there's probably 128 people at a lot of them or maybe 64 people. It depends if you had the qualifier or if it was kind of a show or go for whether it was World Cyber Games, FIFA Interactive World Cup, Electronic Sports World Cup. You can name the event. But in the past, uh, it, it, the, we're talking about hundreds of hundreds of people being there. So you're already playing at a bigger audience than what happens now And just so people at home understand if you – because a lot of people watch these uh, tournaments and I don't think – they don't get to see necessarily what's exactly around. They they don't necessarily understand that the only people that are allowed to be on the actual like gaming area of these events is the players and that's only if you are playing. If you're not playing, a lot of times you can't just walk in there and be around Uh, and – in the referees pretty much, the administrators. So there is nobody else that's there to put any sort of pressure, to be behind somebody. It's it's very separated, almost like you're roped off into a, a big studio, kinda as Colin was saying. Uh, and that's that's great for production, but yeah, you don't have this direct interaction that could play a major part. You don't have like away fans or home fans, you have no fans, and then they, they would bring in the big group of people for the final. But I think like all the matches should look how the final looks in terms of people being back and forth and yelling and talking and, and doing a, a little bit a, of everything.
1: A point to, to take on that as well. I think, I think like that's a definite factor. And you know, you look at CS goes and stuff, and the production side is still there. I know that the teams are split, but the thing that obviously does make it is the crowd. I know that FIFA's obviously been, as you've probably seen it, a lot longer than, than I have, Mike, and um, you've seen it grow of different tournaments, different prize spots and stuff like that. The thing that they will hopefully grasp and it will come as Colin was saying the potential for this year is to engage fans to come out and watch these events because I feel like for a number of years it's always been the casual player compared to the competitive player and since Foot Champs has come in a lot of those casual players now are, are looking at the game in a competitive manner
0: I think the the only thing that potentially could be not holding FIFA back in terms of uh the gameplay or the presentation but in terms of getting big audiences in is because there's only a handful of players who are superstars to an audience if you get mm. what i mean for example yep. looking at a game like call of duty people will come not to almost watch the call of duty but to pe- potentially get a photo with an optic scump or a crimson or someone of that nature i think what we want to be doing is looking at the people who are playing for you for at the very top and um, the likes of uh, I don't know. For example, Gorilla. Are people coming to watch Gorilla play, or they coming to watch the competition? I think that's what you need to be. You need to be questioning.
3: Well, there's just not entertainment value yet. Hmm. That's what we're missing. Like we have you, a competitor. We have. A, go ahead. A point to
1: make on that. Um, I think this could be a point for you, and especially for you, Mike. Obviously, if you come up against New York City, do you feel like where the clubs have come in now, and you've got players representing clubs with rivalries, is that could that bring what we've been missing?
3: Uh, potentially, it just really depends how the event's set up. Like I said, I think you need to see some crowd interaction. You need to see some interaction between the players. Right now, you see no interaction between players. Hmm. Like when when you when you see somebody celebrate a goal, they're zooming in on that person celebrating by himself. Like you're not next point. to the guy that you're celebrating. You know, you're that you're happy about. So it doesn't really involve. The other player you just go on to the next moment of the game and i think you can capture some of the best memes and the best replay value moments of competitive events are how players talk about other players and how they interact with other players from my in my opinion when i watch back pro events i'm watching because i know this dude's getting heated and i can't wait to see what he's going to do or to see somebody battle back that competitive spirit but everybody has their own way of viewing gaming but i definitely think that that entertainment side is missing because we could take gorilla for example uh, gorilla is the m- largest reach I think of any competitive player in FIFA right now is is yeah, that a safe sure, yeah. is that a safe yeah. statement I think they, I think he's got like what half a million subscribers very quickly yeah. uh, he's always on the podium for events he would be considered your superstar right yeah but you're not gonna see him yell or celebrate or even give interviews where he really gives you a lot to go off of in terms of really getting to know this guy way beyond gaming like when you compare it to uh, maybe uh, a scump or what, 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 who else did you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. a
0: nade shot, for example. Or someone like A nade
3: shot. Yeah, everybody knows everything about nade shot, you know? And that's where you go from being popular or being really great at a game to being, I think, a superstar is when people want to know what's your day-to-day life, what's happening with you, not just how to get better at FIFA.
1: And uh, I just want to speak to Mike about... Um Obviously, I know you said it in YouTube video you don't know everything about the hashtag e m e m l s yet um but as an overview and stuff, when did you know that the em um, that this kind of project was gonna launch this year
3: i was mean, i was waiting on the press release just like everyone else and if we're going off the press release, which i think is what we should go off of because these are definites yeah. uh it definitely it, we we have an event here that's going to happen at pax east that's that's a definite that's where this tournament's gonna take place. Um, but in terms of details uh, beyond that not I'm I you know I haven't seen anything beyond the same things that you guys have read because
1: (laughs) it it seems really interesting as well as we've seen this whole global series this year and obviously there's Barcelona uh, in a week's time there's another event in April and then Gfinity is going to be along there somewhere then we've got the EMLS and still after that there's still about 80 spots there's eight, about maybe 70, 80 spots left for players to qualify for this for the playoffs in the middle. So, I honestly don't know what else
3: is gonna what else is gonna come out of the woodworks. I, I wouldn't you... I wouldn't be able to say. We could all speculate, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I hope they have more in their plans because oh, I, think, I remember yeah. speaking with EA last year, and for me last year we were talking talking directly to EA uh, employees, and they said. Look, the following year they're gonna—you're not gonna have to go. This is what they told me. So this is where I was like kind of surprised this year. They said, "Look, you're not gonna have to go 40 and 0 next year. We're gonna set up a lot more with qualifications and land events, and we want you guys to have more room for error, so to speak. So a disconnection doesn't ruin, you know, yep. your entire chance of qualifying. But it couldn't be farther from the truth for this year. So that makes me wonder, like, well, I wonder what changed. Because well, that's that,
1: what the, the Gif- Gfinity is the only thing at the moment." that you can base that off at the moment because obviously you think it is just online cups that will qualify you through but mm-hmm. obviously if, if you are a pro already obviously it's quite difficult because it's a drafting system there um but i just don't know when these these events are going to come out of the works as well because obviously time is ticking on and i'm, I'm thinking around that may that may area could be where a lot of things happen i don't know about you colin
2: yeah i'm just uh i think i've, I've always said this from the first episode but i think the the thing I'm really excited for is when we're going to get roped into like the dream hacks and the ESLs and the PGLs and all of like these different major tournaments where we'll be kind of put alongside Counter-Strike and um, kind of the other bigger esports in general. I think that's what really excites me because then you already have that crowd that, you know, since mm-hmm. FIFA is so wide appealing, like a fan that comes and maybe between Counter-Strike matches is like, oh, FIFA's happening as well. Let's go watch that. And I think that's where you're going to be able to get more esports uh, transfer uh, from like existing esports fans to come over and like pay attention a little bit to FIFA and I think building up the, uh, the Storylines and stuff like that is something that we're still we're still learning how to do and we're still trying to develop. Um, I think We're I think a couple of really good rivalries would definitely help um, like one of my favorite moments of last year was when um, Was when Sheehan didn't shake Tass's hand like that for me was like drama yes finally like something interesting is happening and like there's a, there might actually be a bit of needle between certain players and that's what really excites me is like those types of moments and kind of the uh, the drama coming into it a bit because i think that's what really builds up a lot of other esports too is like the optic versus phase matchups right like yeah. those players like genuinely hate each other and you know they they get so excited when they beat each other because that almost means more than winning the event it's like oh well as long as we like place higher than them right um and that's what I think we're, we're trying to develop. But once again, with, with, the sanitization, with, the, with the slight sanitization of like certain parts of it, it's kind of harder to like build up those rivalries. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll just have to see how, how it works out.
3: Yeah, I would describe that as the, the takeaway moments. And a lot of the phase versus optic matchups are the takeaway moments from the event. What you're going to talk about weeks yeah. later or a month later. And kind of like what you're saying with the sanitization, and, and what I've said, I think we have the clean, the cleanest cut community I've ever seen for like competitive yes. gaming, and that's where you have to get people with like a little bit more rigidness. Let me give you some examples, because, so I was at the Virgin Gaming, um, the World Final for Virgin Gaming, and this must have been 2011, 2012, um, just, and and I'm playing a match, I'm playing against a Spanish pro, and I remember a couple other Spanish pros were watching them play, and remember we're all right next to each other, and they're talking. They're talking negatively about me in Spanish. So I paused the game and I was like, they gotta go. But so on video, this would look great. But you'd never yeah. see it because this is in 2011, 2012. But I was like, look, those guys gotta go. Unless I can send somebody over there to talk to them. You know, like, let me get a trash talker as well. You know? But it was good for the whole interaction of it. They're like, what's happening here? You know? Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, something that we just don't have any of this type of back and forth and like I don't know if you get into competitive gaming usually it's because you're into the competition and that's why you see so many athletes that get into FIFA or get into NBA 2k or get into Madden and and that's kind of what's driving them and then when you do this just super professional setup you lose the competitive drive do you, do you
1: feel like since you know some of these guys have the YouTube YouTube follow-ins and the big Twitter follow-ins you know obviously behind some some players backs they may you know they may say this guy's you know, this and that. Do you feel like they're a little bit worried of their audience? If they get seen doing that on a live stream, you know, they might get talked about differently, even though it will make good entertainment?
2: Uh,
3: it's it, it, it depends. Like, it's really easy to make a follow up saying, hey guys, I know I was a little bit aggressive at this tournament. I just cared about the results. Yeah. It's not hard. It's all you have to say. It's People your job. understand. Yeah, but I, I mean, know? like, there's been many times where, where I've seen this happen over and over again. Like, this is a re, rinse, wash, repeat of people saying, Look, you know, I was in the moment, right? How many times have we seen that on TV somewhere? I was in the moment. I got caught in this moment. People forgive and move on, and they understand, they, they, they appreciate that you care. Like, if you don't feel nervous, then you don't care. If you don't feel emotion, then you don't care. If, if you don't react to something, then you don't care. That's how I view it.
2: Be- yeah, the reason that
3: you have this is because you want the result because you care about this matchup because you want to say yo I finished above this person
2: and that's why I think um, one of the biggest moments of last year too that was really early on and I don't think a lot of people rem- remember it and I think th- these two were actually really criticized for this but when Aga and gorilla got grouped from by the uh, Bullock, uh, by uh, Bullock yeah and uh, Rocky, Rocky. Um, both of them, left the event and i don't think came back until the last day and some people were like oh sore losers sore losers like no but like mike was saying it's because they care so much and because they have that drive to succeed is like that's the reason they didn't want to be there anymore because at the end of the day like when it comes to esports like it's down to you especially in fifa at the end of the day it's you it's not your teammates, you know, you don't have, it's not Rocket League where you have two other guys or COD where you have four other guys to back you up, like, now, it's FIFA, it's 1v1, it is all on you, and I think that sometimes it's, like, kind of nice to see the emotions come out in, in different ways, whether it is um, the Amans and the Dannys where, you know, they're shouting at the top of their lungs and getting excited because they're scoring goals, or it's, like, tears after games like Alexander in, in uh, I think, Vancouver after he got eliminated, you know, there's all these different moments that kind of stick out in my mind, and it's always the extremes of certain emotions it's never really like uh, or like shells when he won his event you know that was amazing as well because of how excited he got Um, and it's never really like there there there's certain events that I don't really remember as well just because the champion like didn't really seem like he was that happy that he had won the event so um, yeah it's 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 interesting the kind of the temperaments that are that are coming into FIFA are definitely a lot more level-headed than in other esports and a lot of other you know FPSs and, and, and different types of games
3: and it comes off in a genuine way not to cut cut anyone off like you know you guys asked about well what if there were repercussions what would happen here if it's a reaction to something i think it comes off very genuine now it's one thing if you're like yo i'm gonna go after your mom or something okay you're pushing some lines you're you're talking about somebody's family you know but like in terms of reactions like you said tears emotion yelling screaming being happy being sad you can see it on their face and I, I think that's something that, that, that we have a lot of room to improve, which will be really exciting. Or even post-game interviews. Like, if you get in there and you, write, you ask the right questions, you can get the correct responses or the interesting responses. As opposed to, you know, some of the more politically correct questions that everybody asks. Like, well, what did you think of your gameplay? You know, what, what, how about what did you think of your opponent? Mm. Yeah.
0: It's always the, the best interviews are the ones where you see a little bit um, that the player didn't want to show you almost. Um, Even in real-life football, when an interviewer asks a question to a manager uh, and that manager reacts, that's I have nothing to
2: say. I have nothing to say.
0: Um, Do you think potentially something that could be holding it back from the um, more edgy sides uh, to the competitions is that the game's a three-plus and that the organisers or whoever, FIFA, EA, whoever it might be, want the people consuming it to be less... uh, I can't think of the word, but not... Not harmed, potentially, whereas something like Call of Duty, it's an 18, they know the people's going to be watching it are at an older older age bracket.
3: Yeah, yeah I was going <laughs> to say, can you reword that in a different way? I just want to make sure that I respond accordingly okay. to what you're trying to address for us.
0: So, given that FIFA itself is a 3+, and it's open to any age bracket, when you It's E these, for everyone. Yeah, okay. when you're watching these competitions, um, they need to think about anybody who could potentially be watching it, so... They're not going to want players swearing, for example. I remember uh, at the Club World Cup, there was one of the players who was getting very hyped who was swearing, and they actually had to go and warn him and say, look, you can't be doing this because you are on stream. Given other games, CSGO, Call of Duty, that they are 18+, plus, are the organizers of these events potentially less um, bothered about edginess from the competitors, swearing, things like that?
3: I I think it's about understanding your community how well do you understand the people that are consuming the content let's look at our biggest content creators do they curse and the answer for pretty much all of them would be yes there's there are clean content creators i really don't curse in my content but if you catch me on a live stream every once in a while i get upset just like the next guy and uh but i mean like let's take the biggest live streamer castro it's probably what every 10 words probably is maybe an f word yep yeah he's the biggest guy the biggest so it's proven let's take the biggest fifa guy ksi there's not a video he has on the internet that he doesn't have at least 15 curse words. So it's like, what is being accepted or consumed from the the, the people that are into FIFA? And I know KSI has kind of crossed over and just become this like massive brand and personality now. But even when he was a FIFA only guy, he was the biggest one.
0: Yeah.
2: As w- as well, I think you have to consider that FIFA is a very different eSport and that it's it's the name of the game is an organization that isn't just related to the video game. You know, like FIFA has so many different, uh, other interests other than FIFA the video game you know FIFA the organization and FIFA has so many different partners that are family-friendly at the end of the day you know it's it's McDonald's it's you know all of these different brands that are very you know like we said earlier are a bit sanitized and are and and wouldn't really like to identify themselves if the FIFA World Cup was full of a bunch of kids like swearing at each other you know and I don't think that's something that they would want to necessarily associate themselves with and you know EA is beholden to a to a higher power, unfortunately, um, unlike uh, COD or CS, where at the end of the day, the the person you're reporting to is, is the is the publisher that's you know developing the game.
3: Well, also the premise, the premise in Call of Duty or the premise in uh, Counter Strike, you kill the other team like I, I think that that is a very uh i don't know a certain type of outlook like the like you know in terms of like a, even consumer point as opposed to a sports game where it is like the best thing you could do is score a goal uh, it's just a little bit uh, i think different uh, in terms of oh man look at that sniper shot look at that long shot you know look at that like that that throw oh, he he tagged him with a grenade or oh he hit a lot of nice tiki taka passing so i, I get it I, I, I you're you're absolutely correct with fifa has this um, almost a catch-22, where because FIFA doesn't represent just the video game, but so much more in terms of football, just football in general, that they do have to really reinforce or or make sure that they uh, that they, they're they're not allowing people to go too crazy with it. But I think everything should be done in balance. Everything's uh,
2: good in moderation. Yeah. yeah,
3: exactly. And I think that that's where we're trying to find, I guess, your your bread and butter. Where mm. is the right place for both? professional players to be happy the developers to be happy and the consumers to be happy where they're like i cannot wait till the next event as opposed to it being more like i think everybody's looking forward to barcelona but they're looking forward to it because it's one of the only events if not the only like you know of this major like tournament that you you can look forward to consuming like if Mm -hmm. you're into the fifa scene this is a big event because there aren't many events as opposed to it being like a personality type of event or like i can't wait to see so-and-so play so-and-so. I think when you get to some of the biggest craters, then people want to see those matchups. Uh, maybe like if you had an opportunity to watch Gorilla versus Rocky, I think a lot of people are looking forward to tuning into that just because those guys carry so much weight or Dax versus Tass or something along those lines. Um, but but it, it, for, for your entertainment value side I, I think it's like I don't know if I'm watching for interviews Or watching to learn something about this or that It's really watching for the gameplay
2: Mm-hmm I I just had one more question too. So last year, um, the way the EA set up qualifying for these different events has changed massively. You know, last year it was set up to where, um, you know, the rest of world guys had their own events, the um, Americas guys had their own events, and then the Europeans had their own events. Um, but now with the with the global leaderboard. Um, it's definitely changed the way that the players qualify. Uh, do you think it's a positive influence? Uh, it's just, I'm really interested coming from an America's pro because so far we've only really had Europeans on. So I just was curious as to what your impression was. Do you think it's like easier for America's guys to qualify? Do you think it's harder on you guys? Do you think it's unfair? Like, where do you sit on it?
3: Well, I definitely think if you're in the European region, it was a, a big improvement for you. Um, I, I guess for me as a, a professional player or being involved in the competitive scene, I think what I dislike the most right now about qualification is the system. The fact that it's still about avoiding everybody. Uh, and if you guys at home that are watching this haven't realized this or haven't haven't really started thinking a little deeper, it's not possible for all these guys to go 40-0 and 39-1 and play against each other. So it's become a competition of who's the best avoider. Um, and and that's that sucks. As a premise, that's not good um and it's, it's, it's been more
1: of a, a saying um of cherry picking
3: this year and i don't, yeah, I don't it, know
1: i don't know why it's come in it's a bit of a weird one
3: but it should be like like that's how it's like it shouldn't be like that but i'm saying like as a professional player as somebody who wants to qualify for events you would be out of your mind to try to play gorilla you would be crazy to try to match up with these guys it doesn't benefit either party it mm-hmm. doesn't because this is the system is not based on and i've talked about this on my youtube channel but the system is not based on points it's based on wins so if it's based on wins then it should be based on tiers and what i mean by this is if you're an elite like in the elite level you should play elite players if you're in gold you play gold if you're in silver you should play silver at those times whenever you're going through the weekend league now if it's based on skill points which it used to be in the past for these leaderboard based systems then if i beat let's say i beat colin and colin's a bad fifa player i get like two three points for that game if colin would have beat me maybe i would drop a hundred so it's not a good that's, – that's really a, a dangerous move on my end in case Colin's is able to slide out of there with a W. However, when I play someone like Tass, maybe I could get 50 points for winning or he could get 50 points for winning. So it's based actually on the relevance or the competitive level of your opponent, and that's how skill points work. So we have a horrible system. Now, now to more so go and address your question in terms of – and this is not a shot at EA. I mean I only am telling you this because I care once again. Like, I play this game, I consume this game, I put in a lot of time into the title, creating content around the title. And surely, by design, it can't be EA, FIFA, anyone's goal to make it where it is the best to, like, the the, the best plan is to avoid pros. That cannot be the, the, the goal here. I don't, no matter who, what perspective you're coming from. Um, now, in terms of qualification, I, I do want to see people from all regions qualify. I think what they should have done and... Is maybe increased how many players from Europe, but they should have still left. I think a certain amount from Western World and a certain amount from the Americas. So maybe like all right. So based on results from last year, who's doing well at these events? You know who's who's performing the best? Who has the most forty and 0's, the most thirty nine and ones? In Europe would definitely come up as being the number one region for that. So sure, maybe they get more spots. So instead of it being what was it last year, Colin and, and it was it sixteen slots I think for the Americas. I think it was yeah, 16.
2: I I think it it might I think it was twenty and then it was four four and two two, wow. I think. So it was like ten Europeans on Xbox, ten on PlayStation, and then four four and two two. I think is what it was.
3: So so maybe you take away some of the spots from some of the um, the other regions, and they kind of tried to have a split. I know Europe had the most last year, but it wasn't by a lot. Like I think European players, I think they had maybe four more places than um, than the Americas. Uh, and then and then the rest of the world had the least amount of places I believe but you know for the finals especially yep. um, yeah. so I, I, I'd like to see them still have representation from everywhere uh, but I think that it's more important for them to change the current system at hand like I was shocked coming into FIFA 18 that they didn't uh, or and when, I, when I say they I say EA here didn't uh, anticipate or adapt to what they learned from FIFA 17 because FIFA 17 was awesome and people were gonna take, so much, they're gonna be just happy because we have this new game mode. You could be excited. What the hell? We got the weekend league. This is new. Oh my god! You know, like they're gonna be pumped. I, I was excited. I was like, okay, this is this is big news. What's going on? I've never seen a weekend league before. So you take some of the negatives with the positives, and you're you're going along the learning curve in terms of how the system goes, new rules that are being implemented. If you remember last year when the game came out, they had custom formations were allowed. You could see when someone uh, someone's club was created. And EA removed these things, so they're listening. But the fact that in FIFA 18, there was no changes, I, I was just really surprised. And you don't see many pros or hear many pros voice in terms of complaining, because a lot of them are able to qualify based on the current system. But the current system of just beating above average players over and over again and becoming the best above average player beater, is 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 not what you want to promote for competition not in my opinion at least
0: uh two things to just quickly go on that uh the latter point do you think that the the people who are potentially just cherry picking their games will be caught out at these events like they will be not exploited but they'll be exposed
3: not necessarily um because i think there's people that do really well online that don't always do very well in person so even though they deserve their position online and they play great from their, their office or their bedroom or the, the studio or couch or however they have their place position, they don't always travel well. And then there is the um, – I know this tournament set up differently, but they, a lot of times we've gone through very random factors where like if you get stuck in a bad group, we talked about um, – or Colin mentioned August you know, storming out. And be, Like upset yeah. about his his results yeah, but, in the tournament. Yeah, like,
0: stop, potentially.
3: yeah and I, let's say, let's look at Yvonne, for example. I think Yvonne drew August in 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 both. I think it was multiple events last year that he drew he drew August twice on the PlayStation side of things. And it's like those guys both very arguably could advance in a different group very easily. But I mean, there is that random aspect, and that's just going to be part of it. But um, it, it should be good. I I think the qualification system. Needs to be adjusted. And just to address your question a little more direct, not necessarily do I think people will get shown up or or called out that qualified from cherry picking, because I also think everyone cherry picks. I don't like, go watch. Go watch. You can go online. I remember watching the first weekend of uh, the weekend league Gorilla, number one on the charts, highest skill rating, okay? And the best player he played against, I think he played one guy that was also in the top 100. And then from there on, he played, I think, one one, one – yeah, it was like only gold. So he played – so that means he went 40 games, 40-0, and and he only played one player that was top 100 or elite. That's a flawed, like, system. And how can you say – you could say, well, doesn't he cherry-picks then, right? That's a clear argument you can make. Are you – going
1: forward, would you, for just an average, uh, a top 100 player – to earn that spot in the top one hundred, how many other top one hundred players do you think they should have to play against?
3: Um, I think the elite top one hundred should be kind of grouped together because I mean you're only separated from one win a lot of times. But I definitely think out of your forty games, surely ten of them should be against elite caliber players, right? Surely twenty five percent. Yeah,
2: I, I think mean, that's I think, fair. I think yeah. I, I think at, like within the current system. I don't see a way that it ends up working because then what happens if you have like elite players and they're playing all elite plus gold players and then maybe they get 32 wins and then maybe someone else that is usually top 100 under the current system might get 33 or 34 because they're, you know, losing to their top 100 people. I think the interesting idea would be to maybe, you know, have some kind of separate ranking where maybe it's the top like 250 players and then those players get grouped together and they have like their own kind of weekend league in a way where they all compete against each other and then you're having an actual leaderboard where you're seeing okay you know rocky over this month has gone you know uh, 60 and, and 8 against other pros and then this pro has gone 30 and 32 you know so then you kind of have a different way of, of looking at the metrics and looking at the way that players play against each other at a similar level because right now you're only seeing players play against each other at, at a similar level in 3% of their foot champs games and then in Gfinity cups and you know other like smaller events where we're not really seeing it on a more consistent basis
3: I'd welcome that and that's another reason that we really don't know anything about rankings people always ask me yeah, well yeah. where do you rank people how you know who's the best player who's this exactly. who's in the top 10 it's was like, impossible I can't give you a, a valid answer with any yeah. types of logistics behind it. I could tell you who won this event last year I can tell you who wins this event this year, but does that mean that guy's the best player in the world? Not necessarily, because yeah. we don't have enough events and we don't have a clear, measurable um, of system that allows you to kind of be able to say, yeah, this dude was awesome this year. Like, you, damn, he did awesome every single yeah. event.
1: Do you think as well as, I know, as you said, one, one good example could be less, more events, but FIFA as a, as a game, it, it is football at the end of the day, you know, compared to other esports where I think Colin... As explain the the game mechanic in the game, you know this thing is the best, and it will always destroy this person. It's it's football at the end of the day, FIFA. You can have the best Ronaldo card, but there is going to be one or two chances that he he won't be able to finish at the end of the day. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and are you making a statement? No, like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't, this guy's not going to always no, finish no, every no, chance. No. Okay. No, but the, the point is I make is I think FIFA is just. As to, to pick the best player, it is. I think it's too tough at the moment of time. There's so many players in the game, and that's the point I was trying to say. Sorry, it's a sport a game of football. You know, you're not always going to score every goal you get compared to a game like you know a Street Fire or something like that, where you know that that going to punch and take that much power off that one. FIFA is just it is just football in the, the day. Some days football doesn't go your way, and yeah, that's why I think it's so hard to try and determine each year. Who is the best player?
3: Well, there's just not enough events. I mean, it's, it's it's really, in my opinion, night is night and night and day. Like that's, if you don't have, you need events every month. You need things weekly. You need things that are happening all the time to really be able to like say, yo, and really analyze. This is got to be one of the top players in the world. Look what he did for the the year. Like, all right, so let's take. So, Gorilla won the FIFA Interactive World Cup, right? So, coming into this year, a lot of people might rank him as the top player in the world. Fair statement? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How many events has Gorilla played this year? Right now, up to this whole year of FIFA, zero. Zero, yeah. Absolutely zero. Definite zero. How many zero? His first event will be Barcelona. How can you have a ranking system with any level of validity when you have zero events for the number one player in the world? Arguably, over what are we? Four or five months in? Uh, September, September, October, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Like we four, mean. five
2: months. Four months, yeah. Yeah, four
3: months and some change for the arguably the number one player that has zero events. And that's, to me, that's a big issue in terms of building up esports. And then also of course, having any like system of ranking. Cause like if Gorilla has a bad event, let's say he has a bad event in Barcelona and, and listen, Gorilla, if you're listening, I am not trying to put that on you at all. I don't, you know, I want to make sure like I, I am not wishing any sort of negative vibes your way, but l- just hi- hypothetically speaking, let's say he has a bad event. Does that mean that he no longer is a badass player? He's no longer an amazing player. We're gonna take away his credibility? That sucks. That's so much pressure every event you go into, because there's like one event, two events over the whole course of a year.
1: Do you do you think a good player you can you can link on with that? And again, that's not saying that Agra had a bad year last year, but you know, he had a lot of pressure on him and it did affect him at tournaments, and he even said that, you know, he he felt like he needed to deliver. You know, he's this icon name in the FIFA Sport world. He needed to perform, and do you think that was a good example of that?
3: Perhaps. I mean, there's just not a lot of events, and there is the random aspect of group draws. Like, I remember I was at the event last year in Barcelona. Was it Madrid? Was it Madrid? It was Madrid, I think. Right? Yeah, Madrid. Yeah, Last yeah, yeah. year at Madrid. So I was at the Madrid event, and I, I mean, I, I definitely watched that group. August and I are very good friends. Yvonne and I are good friends. So it was August, Yvonne, Danny, and another Dutch pro. Man, I forgot his name. He's, he had a great year as well. Um, so that was their group. That was their group of four. It's like it's two people can't come out of this group, but they're all four of them are capable of winning this event, in my opinion, as someone who's consuming. And it's like – or definitely all four are able to go far in this event. And and there is that kind of random aspect, but yeah, it, you know, I mean, people talk about August not ne- necessarily getting the results that we're accustomed to seeing. Um, I don't think he qualified for the FIFA Interactive World Cup either, and no, he, didn't. he didn't, which was like unheard of for August. But I mean, he won, he won DreamHack easily. I don't think he conceded. If you guys remember, he didn't concede a whole goal or an entire an entire tournament. I don't think he con- conceded a goal on the Xbox side. Um, and he won, he won the Danish championship I think last year as well again. Correct Correct me if I'm wrong. But, I mean, like, he won some major events that people don't necessarily bring up because they're all focused on the one major or the one or two major events. But I don't even think he had that bad of a year. And and compared to most people, it would be considered a good year. But for him, of course, you're accustomed to seeing him on a podium always right there. Uh, There's a few guys like that. I would say at, at this current point, we're used to seeing Gorilla, is it in the running? Like, you would always could put him as a favorite. Rocky is in the running as a favorite. Uh, August is in the running as a favorite. I'm not sure if Tass is still in the running as a favorite or not because he won that first initial event. Like, I definitely know that people are watching Tass. No doubt. They're definitely watching him. But uh, uh in terms of – and Tass, you know, I got nothing but love for you. But in terms of professional events, I've known Tass for – what five years maybe since since he started playing at the pro scene last year was his best year in terms of winning a major event and, and doing really well and getting all this exposure online and, and so forth like he's never been um yeah. in a final before yeah. or a top three or a top four like he's never been in, in those, those types of positions prior to last year whereas like august or gorilla rocky bruce granick um I feel like I'm missing a couple people that I should definitely be, be talking about. Uh the the German the German guy's been Tim in, Ox Kai, Kai Wallen, yeah, yeah. They, they they yeah they've been in these positions before where I've 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 been to World Cyber Games where I've seen them win something. I've been at FIFA Interactive World Cups, so they win the event or they're right there, second, third. Uh, you know, I've been at uh, Electronic Sports World Cup, right right there, winning the event, second, third, over and over again. So you have a certain expectation, and, and sometimes when you think about it, because of the game being sort of random at times, <laughs> it's such an achievement that they have managed way to win events year in and year out when there's so many people competing and the game does have that random feel
2: yeah, yeah. So and i think that i think uh one one thing that's going to kind of take a bit of the randomness out is the format for barcelona um so we know now the, the format which is going to be swiss system which i was incredibly excited for because you know i've seen it uh, you know, in Counter-Strike And I think it definitely puts A lot of teams in a position where The draw can only be so uh, So bad for you You know, because That first round draw is completely random You know, but after you lose that then you're also going to play someone who's zero and one. And if you lose another game, then you're going to play someone who's zero and two. And it's basically win four games, you're through, lose four games, you're out. And the thing is, like, when you talk about these guys, when you talk about the Tim Ox, when you talk about the the Gorilla and, you know, these top guys, like, they're not going to lose four games out of eight, I don't think. So I think it's going to really help to make sure that the best guys are actually making it through to, like, the knockouts and to the next stages, whereas the groups could be a little bit, you know, horrible, whereas, you know, they weren't really seeded last year which was a bit of a problem but then again how do you really seed those groups you know Um, and so you're not going to really have those groups of death whereas now it's just going to be Swiss system you know it's going to be completely random and it's going to be based on how you are performing that event and so you're going to be playing people that are in the same kind of form so if you're 2-0 you're also playing someone who's 2-0 if you're 3-0 you're also playing someone who's 3-0 so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it works for FIFA but I'm really excited and I'm really uh, you know optimistic for how it's going to work
3: and I agree with you I've never seen um, an I mean, I've been involved, like I said, ten years. This system's never been used in a FIFA event, so I, I'm also very intrigued to see how it kind of plays out. But I think, in theory, I mean, you should see the advancement of the best players for at least for the day. You should definitely see the, the players. You can't say like oh, I got a horrible group in this one.
0: Yeah,
3: you know, there there will be a few people that might be unlucky and a few people that might be lucky out of this system. But overall, I think it eliminates a lot of the uh, Except, as you could say. Yeah, and also the random side of actually the drawing of players yeah. where we've always been sitting in that room, like please pick my name or don't pick my name. That's always been what's happening. you know, Because like, all pros know who are the favorites or have the best chance to win events, right? So when when you're sitting there waiting for your name to be drawn or not drawn or, or whatnot, there's definite people that you would rather see um, right now or you'd rather see later. Like for example, if I was at a tournament and – um, uh, you know, I'd rather not play August in my group, not because I'm scared, but I know I could lose that game. I'd rather get somebody that i never heard of, if possible, or somebody that's new to the competitive scene, and play August. Uh, when I when I get to a bracket stage, yeah, something like, 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 it. like it's not that you're trying to avoid the guy, but it's like you'd rather play him when you know you've already warmed up, you've gotten out of your group, and and you know you get your best effort in there.
1: Also, what, what this year opens as well was, um, for, for you know a neutral coming into esports watching FIFA. You know, as Collins mentioned, if you lose three games, you could still go back and win four and get through. So that's going to be really interesting to see this year if anyone has that bad of a start. Fingers crossed. Uh, could
0: see
3: some fantastic
0: stories.
1: I, there
3: will be some that. stories. Nah, no, it'll happen. Somebody will start one in three or something and, and sneak their way back into it.
1: And uh, obviously, just before we close the show, obviously we've been chat for a, a really long time. It just shows. You know, how much there is to talk about esports, and I'm sure we haven't even talked about everything uh, within the competitive scene. Uh, So, we talked about the Swiss format, you know, restrictions uh, this year, Mike. Everyone was saying, could it be a free eye constriction? Could it be, you know, maybe more? They've, you know, EA have come back and said there's no restrictions this year. Is that a good, bad point? You know, does it make you think about. You know, I use the weekend league team that I've got at the moment, and to be honest, a lot of the weekend league team that the guys have got, they've pro- they've kind of got their dream teams. But there is, you know, there's one or two more icons that they might go for. Would you play with the team that you used to play with in the weekend league, or if you know if you can use a 96 Ronaldo, would you go and use them?
3: It's it's a tricky debate uh, because I've been in this position firsthand where I got to the Vancouver regional last year and I hadn't had the chance yet to play with. I think it was Team of the Year Messi. And I chose to go with my comfort of using George Best, and I regret that. I think Messi is just so much better. But I went—that's how that was my decision at the time. And it, I definitely went with the blue Ronaldo, even though I think I've been using the regular Ronaldo. I think it's easier with a player that you're using and just get the upgraded version. But I think it's a lot trickier if you're debating between two separate players, like I had with Best versus uh, versus Messi at the time. But uh, I, I'm wondering what the future is going to be with esports in in fifa with restrictions or no restrictions because i think at some point you don't want to see the exact same team over and over again uh and and i think at some point too maybe you don't want to see a full icon squad or maybe you do and i I think this is something the community has to decide but i haven't decided even on my own personal viewpoint what's best do you want to see all blue in icons Right, like all team of the year and icon squad, because that's kind of what it's going to look like for the most part. Or do you want to have it where there are some sort of integrated restrictions where it's three icons, like we saw? It. I think it was the FIFA Interactive World Cup. The Grand Finals, yeah. Yeah, they had some 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 actual restrictions that were integrated. Um, I just think they need to be open with what's going to happen. That's the big key. Like, be transparent with us. Let us know. Do we need to train this way or train that way?
0: Do you think potentially as well with the with this year? with it there being three icons of a certain player, we could see maybe you're only allowed to use three prime icons.
3: It's, it's definitely possible. Uh, and I, I'm just not sure where people are going to fall on the usage of icons or the usage of team of the year players. Just high-rated guys. Like, I don't know if it's, if it's good or bad yet to see a team full of 95-plus players or, or, if there should be a little more limitation involved, and in because we have ultimate team here the world uh or the, the the i mean the customization is is at our is at our fingertips you can choose like ea could decide hey you have to have one bronze player three silver players and the rest can be whatever you want or they could say you have to have three regular golds i'm not saying they would but they could so it, it is interesting to see what kind of uh dynamic we we, we kind of are involved with going forward uh, i'd love to know what colin thinks of this as well what would you prefer as a uh restriction based i guess ultimate team or do you think there should be any restrictions do you think they should be based on the event where it's taking place the players that are involved
2: yeah i think uh like the my main thing is just to always have um like the players that are available up to that point um and i think it it to a point it might even be better to have it to where they're available for at least 2 or 3 weeks before the event because i think a big problem is like uh, just bringing in a different eSport for League of Legends, right? They wouldn't come out with a patch like one week before um, a big event or before the start of the LCS season. You know, they wouldn't do that. So I think it's kind of uh, unfair in a a way to release uh, like a team of the year and have these players available essentially like a week before, before the players aren't really uh, able to figure out what the meta is. Because the meta in FIFA is like something really interesting where it kind of like develops like each week, you know, as we get different informs and as we get like these, these different players, which I think is really interesting because it adds a different dynamic of, you know, strategy and, you know, oh, are you going to use that 90 rated striker Bale? Or does that striker Bale like enable you to use other players or use a different formation that maybe you couldn't use because of chemistry or because of these certain other... Uh, other factors that are coming into it. And I think that's, that's what makes it really interesting. But you know, these players, y- you need to be able to like try them out because you know, you hear from pros all the time that, you know, you can't just play five to 10 games with, with a card and like know if it's, it's okay for you, you know, cause I, I've seen some players go in, into a game and you know, for example, like I'll go into a game and I'll play like one game with 90 rated Ronaldo and I'll be like, ah, nah, he's bad. And I'll play three games, and I'll sell him on, and I'll bring in someone else. Whereas, like most pros, if they t- for them to really know and for them to kind of like see the patterns and and learn, you know, which player makes the best runs. Like for example, like a lot of people I think are discovering Neymar now, and like how insane his runs are, and how aggressive he is, and how, you know, uh, fluid he is, and how easy it is to dribble with him. And I think people are, like, you know, the, the meta is constantly evolving. And it's kind of interesting, too, because it's, like, it, it evolves around certain players' playstyles, too. Um, but when it comes to, like, restrictions at events, you know, like I said, it, I think it, it you just need to be able to, like, allow the players to adjust to that meta. Because without that, then it brings in an, el- an element of, of randomness that I think might skew the results of the actual event because say a player comes in and uses that 95 Conte or 96 Conte or whatever he's rated and uh he ends up being not great you know and and the player doesn't like him but because his stats are insane and because he looks so good the player decided to use him whereas he might not have made that risk if that player wasn't available or if he had the two or three weeks to try the player out beforehand so i think there's still definitely like some perfection and some like adjusting that needs to go into it um but you know the the meta side of things is something that isn't really spoken about enough i think when it comes to fifa esports
3: It's also worth mentioning uh, a big reason that Neymar's picked up in terms of usage is because early on in the game, people didn't necessarily have icons, and you couldn't get chemistry for Neymar unless you were willing to sacrifice your squad. And then the second point that I want to bring up very quickly uh, from what Colin was saying is when you're at a LAN event, certain players are better on a LAN connection than they would be on an online connection, and Neymar's just another good example of a player like that because he's so skillful. Uh, that you need to be good at running at people. You should be good at skill moves. You should be good at like quick touches or quick movements to maximize the potential of that individual player in FIFA and play into the meta. However, online, sometimes you have a lot of delay, especially depending where you live and the types of people that you match up against. So you never get to maximize that player
2: and that's where like more events comes into it i think and like what we were talking about in the past because then that gives players more experience at lands and gives them a better feel of, of what it really feels like to play at land because it's a completely different environment than playing online like we've said i couldn't
3: agree I, c- I couldn't agree more because then what happens is people are so self-assured of the player choices that even if they're online they might be struggling with this guy they know when they get to the land event no nah, it'll be fine Because I've already practiced with him now at a land event, four events in, five events in. I know he doesn't do his thing online, but in person, he's good.
2: And that's why, like, the smaller events, I think, come into it and add so much value. Because, you know, you say Gorilla, for example, hasn't been to any events. But we've been to three, four, I think, so far this year already. Um, And, you know, those types of events, whereas, you know, they're really small prize pools, maybe they're two thousand three thousand four thousand five thousand how we went to lithuania you know and played for for charity and that was i think one of the most valuable events in terms of kind of uh learning a lot about you know what we needed to work on as a team and and as a as a player for, for for poacher and um so yeah i think you know those smaller events where you can kind of feel that out whereas you know I don't think you should be experimenting at a major, you know, I think it's a really dangerous thing to do.
3: I don't know if you should experiment too crazy at any of these events unless it's one of those desperation type of I have to start moving things around. Obviously what I'm doing is not working, but um in terms of like coming in and just being like yo i've tried to play like this all all i played like this all year and it worked and then i'm gonna switch it up last minute because i'm at a land event or because i'm playing against this type of opponent i think that's a really big risk and and also to touch the importance of um uh, land events In practice at land events so this is going to show my age a little bit but if you remember hero and and skyla was skyla styla i think it was styla the german twins they won every single event for three years straight one of them in fifa um and they they were like the first big sponsored athletes they were with sk which is a massive gaming organization if you're not familiar and they um they got they, they were adidas athletes which this is like we're going way back guys like 2005 2006 Um, but one of those guys won every single event and there was a lot of events, but the reason they won every single event, they knew tricks that other people didn't know. And they knew tricks that only worked on land. Like I remember watching them score certain types of crosses and certain throw-ins. They were really good with certain throw-ins when this is when throw-ins mattered a little bit more, I think than where they're currently at in terms of like, you could kind of set them up and do some really unique off the ball movement. Um, but I just recall watching this and I'm like, I've never seen this before. And I, I swear this wouldn't work online. And I went and tried online. It doesn't work online. So it's like they knew that it would work at a LAN event. And these little intricacies matter a lot. It's kind of like set pieces right now. There's so many different ways to take set pieces currently. And uh, you're going to see things at every single pro event. You'll see set pieces that you probably have not seen very often or never seen before in terms of how to move – Players like make runs beyond the wall, or how to set up a couple little quick passes, or something that's going to work well on a land, but just mi- you might never see the real results of it or the consistency of it with an online match.
1: And uh, what I'm looking forward to as well, I'm sure you know you could relate like to this as well, Mike. When you go into a tournament, of course, it is a it is a case of a tournament of football. You know, you need to grind out games. You're happy to take a one 0 win as long as you've got those three points on your group table. You know, was that something that you you know you went into tournaments with? You know, you you thought. And I, I know this year's FIFA is a lot different. It's more, you know, you need to keep scoring, scoring, scoring. But, you know, when you were at event, was your mindset, I just need to keep scoring, or would I get maybe two goals and sit back and try and defend?
3: You feel like FIFA 18 is a year that you need to keep scoring?
1: I I believe so, especially in okay, foot yeah. champions. I, mean, game I, well, I was
3: going to say, in foot champions, the majority of my losses, and just based on talking to people, are usually people that hold the ball really well. Like, they get a couple goals, and then you just don't see the ball because they can hold it so easily because of, like, a lack of balance in my opinion like like i think it's easier to pass the ball around than it is to pressure defensively like especially as a unit uh as a controlled unit it's very difficult to get your midfield to go with your attackers your uh, defenders to go with your midfield you know when you're making the presses and and you're you're trapping these triangles and so forth uh, at least from my experience but i mean ugly w is an ugly w it doesn't matter it's still win Every single event that I've been to, the guy that wins the event, whether it's myself, somebody else, or whatnot, you're going to have games that have some luck involved, and you're going to have games that are ugly, like you grinded the W out. You can't say you played your best FIFA, but you got it done. And do you think we, we might see you at that April event? I'd love to be there. Uh, i'll definitely be be grinding a lot in in february for the weekend so you never know man it's like one bad weekend and you're out and i think that's something that we have to see shifted in terms of and by bad 36 wins you might not be able to recover from a 36 out of 40 wins and an interesting point
1: to make on on that as well is on that global series there's a last chance weekend in there um obviously that needs to be explained a little bit more whether it would just be literally one weekend play your best so many players go through um, what would you take from your from your November qualifier month into February? You know, you've had obviously there's a lot of time to reflect since then. Would you feel more confident going into that February qualifier month? For
3: I, I think the biggest mistake that I made around November would just be not preparing the team like other pros did. I didn't anticipate that competitive players and pro players would uh, would would invest so much money. Yeah, I wasn't accustomed to seeing competitive players put ten thousand dollars into a video game before the year started. Or five thousand dollars. This year, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Yeah. So I had no prereq to say this is what's going to happen. So I was wasn't prepared to go up against Ronaldo teams, not Cristiano Ronaldo, like the the original R9. Brazilian. Yeah, the R nine uh, over and over again. I wasn't prepared to to see this happening. And this game, in my opinion, also is very RNG. So the better your team, like you don't have to be a great player, but if you have an awesome, awesome team, a much a far superior team, you're going to get more wins. Yeah, Plain and simple, like your wins will increase because of your team increasing in terms of their, their value.
0: I'm a, a very much casual uh, foot champs player. If I've got a full weekend to play, I will play it and I'll play the, the games. And I've found that I've got quite a, quite a good team, Vieira's in there. I've got It's not a fantastic team, but I've got some meta players, you could say. Um, but if you cope against like that 94-9 Ronaldo, nine times out of ten they'll score two three goals. That could be the difference between a win or a loss. And for me, it doesn't matter that much. I'm just playing for rewards. But for somebody, that could be the difference between qualifying and not qualifying. Do you think it's a a fair way of of just the... If you can put more money into the game, you can get a better team, you might be able to qualify?
3: It's part of the current system. Yeah. I mean, like... I understand it as a competitive advantage. I just wish the game was a little less RNG. Like, some of the things that happen... This year with bounce backs and just the ability that you could have Rude it and Vieira just chase back blindly. I have no plan, but I know these guys are going to be in my midfield. And it's effective. And I um, think that's the challenge from EA trying to make a game that is consumer friendly for the casual gamer, but then also esports friendly for the competitive pro. Which
1: was a point we talked about before. We talked about, you know, is the game coming to a stage now where it has to go in an eSports direction or, you know, in, in the way that FIFA has been prior to that?
2: I think I think you're starting to see that transition, right? Like, up until this point, and I've said this, you know, in previous podcasts, but if, you know, if you've made it this far, then uh, I think I can say it again. Um, it's, you know, two years ago, I think that eSports was just the glint in the eye of EA, and it wasn't something that, you know, maybe they were just starting to think about, or maybe the the groundwork had been started to lay it down. But uh, the development cycle is is so short. You know, the the games developed in I think it's like a two or three month period in the in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the development cycle of of the previous FIFA. And uh, so I think we're in uh, we're in a we're in an age where the game is starting to transition to more of an esports centric uh, you know play style and uh, you know. It's it's trying to become a bit more balanced, um, whereas before the objective was to create the most realistic simulation of football. You know, because at the end of the day, this game is a football sim. You know, it's not an esports title necessarily. Whereas I think now we're starting to see it maybe transition a bit more, and you know maybe we don't see the perfect esports FIFA title until FIFA 20. You know, but I think it's definitely transitioning uh, towards towards that direction. And um, I think EA is completely aware of the of the of the issues the current game has, and um, you know I think they're trying to uh, to to put it in a position where it's definitely a lot more balanced than it is at the moment because, like like Mike said, I think there is an RNG aspect to certain player animations and the way that, you know, the physics-based ba- engine works compare, compared to, like, other games where it's definitely a lot more, you know, reaction-based. Um, so, yeah, we'll just kind of see how, how it starts to develop and, and get a bit closer to that, to that eSports, um, you know, centered gameplay.
0: And hopefully we'll see those... Uh, aspects coming in next week Brandon in Barcelona um, I'm just excited to to watch the big event Brandon
3: I, I think we'll learn a lot actually sorry I didn't mean to just cut in I think we'll learn a lot from watching this major event uh, in terms of styles, formations what's working, how easy is it really to hold the ball or maybe how difficult it is to hold the ball or what formations work best for pressure um, just a lot of countering each other with tactics I think it'll be good
1: and uh, obviously big thank you for coming on uh, Mike and, and talking obviously being involved in sports for a number of time and from all of us here at the Foot Champs podcast um, and all our listeners we do wish you uh, all the best with New York Red Bulls and that new challenge there uh, one question for you I'll put you on the spot you can give me a few players if you want who do you think could go
3: and, uh, and do the
1: business uh, at that event in Barcelona
3: uh, I, I'm going to base uh, some of my, my opinions or my statements here based on what I've seen online and then also results in person uh, and I don't think it'll be a lot of surprises. I'm gonna lean towards probably the favorites here where the guys that I'm gonna definitely be watching closely I want to watch gorilla because he plays in a style that I've never been able to achieve it's not his results but the style that he plays where it's so aggressive in your face he's down two goals three goals doesn't matter it doesn't change anything for him. Um, and I just think it's really fun and I'd love to see that being promoted as oh, this is how you become a pro player but good luck good luck playing like Gorilla because that dude's nuts like when you when you watch him play he would be one of those guys if he made tutorials nobody would maybe be able to learn the game well from his tutorial because he's so I mean I don't mean that in any shots or anything he's brilliant at what he does absolutely brilliant but this like no defense slide tackles pressure 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 fast play skill move setups and it's so enjoyable to watch from a gameplay perspective but in terms of being able to teach that to replicate that style is good luck like there there's a reason that he has success doing it and a lot of people do not or most people do not uh so i definitely want to watch him play looking forward to it uh, i think this could be the return of august and his greatness this year uh, I know last year people, like you said, criticized him a little bit, saying like it wasn't an August good enough year for August. Basically, uh, I think that he signed with hashtag. He has a lot of comfort there. These yeah. are some of his good friends in the community, and I think that's that was important for August. Uh, and and he has like a very true team now backing him, uh, and I, I think he wants to represent his sponsors well and all his endorsements. And I'm expecting him to to definitely put on a show and to be, I would say, back to the August that we are accustomed to seeing. Oh, Shells I... has been okay I'll stop no
1: no sorry I did. not know <laughs> um, carry on I
3: was going to say Shells Um, has been another I, I wasn't sure if he was going to be like kind of a one off guy because last year I knew nothing about him I don't know about you guys but that was the first that I'd ever seen this guy in terms of tournaments or even hearing about him in the online community and he was brilliant he really should have won the the final you know, versus mm. Rocky yeah, and yeah. he's <laughs> one clearance away and you know it's too bad I know that he doesn't want us to keep talking about that but this year, um, online, I think he went 40-0, what, 10 weekends in a row or something? It, I think
0: he was, uh, I think he was about two, uh, I want to say 198-0 at one point.
3: Yeah, so I mean, he's definitely gifted. Uh, so I, I'd love to see if he can put together a really uh, another great year uh, or, or some big results at a tournament. But I'd, I'd say those three guys I'm really watching, I, I'm curious to see what Tass is going to do, I like mm-hmm. many. Uh, I, I think Tass is one of those guys that, that's uh, – I, I, I think he could put up more results that were good, and I'm just really curious to see what he's, what he's kind of put together this year because games change. The meta changes, as Colin was talking about, and certain meta plays into different styles of gameplay and how well you adapt. Like I know that I'm a structured FIFA player. And what I mean by structured is that I look at the game from a logical standpoint. I'm going to uh, build up in a logical way. I have a game plan. I react to what people are doing. And then there's people that are, and there's not a lot of them, but there's YOLO players or the opposite of structure, which would be like someone similar to a huge gorilla. When I watch his stuff, I was like, oh my God, that's such a mistake he's making there. But he's kind of challenging you to take advantage of his mistake. Are you able to do it? If not, I got it. You see, like he puts you in that position where you're going to feel this pressure, and if you see it, cool, you get a goal. But if you don't, I'm going to take it away from you right now. And you don't see that that much at the pro level. It's something you see plenty online, but you just don't see it at the pro the pro tournament level nearly as much, uh, at least in my opinion. But it should be good. I'd like to see how Chris does. I, I think there's going to be a lot of different players that, that are going to be on the watch list yeah. from from both the, the North America or the, the the America's division and then a ton of Europeans that, that I think are capable of winning an event.
0: I think it will. I'm glad you picked up Chris because I think he was probably the most unlucky player at all last year. I think he got to three finals in three different majors and uh, didn't come out on top of any. So maybe those negatives last year doesn't want to... Uh go through that again this year so maybe he could uh, perform i think somebody who is feared among a lot of pros is Megabit. i'll be interested in seeing oh it. yeah I,
3: I, maybe I, I didn't even mention it my bad man i think germany and in the in germans and the uk uh in france those three nations are where i would say the most players are coming out of i know there's also been a big following in uh some of the scandinavian countries mainly sweden and um Denmark, Denmark, in terms yeah. of, I think people looking up to Yvonne or looking up to uh, uh, August, kind of how people looked up to Bruce Granick, and that's where the French scene started. And there's a lot of quality players, like even the second best player, the third best player, the fourth best player from those countries have the ability to win the event.
0: Yeah, I just want to, I just want to see it all take place now. Uh, next week, and Brandon,
3: most definitely. And I,
1: you know, you know you, I'm glad you, you know, you highlighted Megabit there, a player that. I think he's feared by many and you've got to remember as well you know hashtag Ryan out on his first outing uh, as part of hashtag United after leaving um, Excel after a good year for him as well last year and there's just so many new faces as well that are coming um, into this tournament as part of the 128 players which I'm really looking forward to seeing of course Collins' player uh, Poach is going to be there and uh, I'm sure he'll be right behind him as well but we're going to wrap up there for this week uh, the Foot Champs podcast hopefully you've enjoyed it um, be sure to drop a like uh, on the YouTube video. Make sure you subscribe, um, of course. Go follow us on Twitter at Footchamps Podcast. Big thank you, Mike, for coming on. Mike Lebel, uh from New York Red Bulls, just signed there. We'll be part of that E-M- EMLS project as well. And hopefully, uh, he'll get himself qualified for the April event. Uh, Colin, thank you, as always, for coming on, uh, being our extra pundit in the show. And, uh, of course, that man, Richard Buckley, next to me. Uh, I've been Brown and Smith. Enjoy weekend league this week, Uh, enjoy the Barcelona event next week, hopefully there'll be a big winner there, and uh, we'll catch you next time, goodbye. If you like what you're hearing, why not subscribe? Just go to Pod on Twitter, drop a follow, and then you'll find all your subscription options in the pinned tweet. Oh, and also while I've got you, why not check out this podcast's more casual older brother, the Foot Weekly podcast, for in-depth reviews, Team of the Week rundown, content chat, and general foot discussion.